Hey, Blake from Launch Notes here. Thanks so much for checking out the Launch Notes podcast. Today's podcast features a recording of a recent live Office Hours event we hosted in the Launch Awesome community. To join a future Office Hours session where you can ask us questions on anything you want, from building and launching products to Launch Notes best practices, join our free Launch Awesome Slack community. We host Office Hours every Friday and share an invite with everyone in the community. You'll find a link in the show notes or just do a quick search for Launch Awesome and it will come right up. In the meantime, enjoy this episode. How are we doing today? Happy Friday. Yo, yo. Good. Happy Friday. LaCroix up and ready to go. Yes. Um, <laughs> I hope there's LaCroix in that can, Steve. Um, so uh, <laughs> we had this conversation. I had uh, I had Des Trainer, who's the uh, one of the co-founders of Intercom. He's their chief strategy officer now. Basically, like all of like R and D, products, design, engineering, all that rolls up into him. Been you know with the company since they started. Blah blah blah. Like incredible dude. He was on the. Uh, he recorded with me for the podcast uh, mm-hmm. yesterday, and I just wanted to talk through some of the stuff that he was saying because it like kind of blew my mind. It's an awesome convo. It's not up on the podcast yet, but it should be. Um, maybe by the time this is. Uh, out there on the podcast feed, it will be hopefully in a week or two. Um, but it was just like a killer convo, and I really wanted to talk to him about about product stuff and how he thinks about like leading a product team. And there were a few things that really stood out. Um, one, we we first kind of got into because they've done a nice job around uh, like adding products to their portfolio and kind of like broadening their portfolio over time. You know, and obviously, you know, those of us that were who were in Atlassian kind of always heard the stories about how they, you know, added Confluence so early, you know, even when Jira was still kind of getting started and the success they had there and all that. And so we talked a lot about just like his, like the, the kind of like mindset that they used to kind of guide that I thought was super, super interesting. Mm-hmm. And he, I won't like try to repeat it and butcher it, but he basically gave me his, uh, like his definition for, of product market fit which I encourage, you know, listening to and, and capturing and I'll, I'll write it down sometime because it was just really good. And basically the way they thought about like, Hey, we're going to make sure we have product market fit with our existing sort of skews before we go adding more to the family. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just like a really cool to sort of hear how they thought about that. And then obviously super, you know, pertinent for us being an early startup and there's always questions around, Hey, do we kind of, you know, keep our, core product when when and how could we add products in the future is always kind of an interesting question so i definitely would recommend the conversation for that we also got a lot into well yeah are you, you cliffhangering us cliff hanging yeah probably <laughs> yes that's right now what, what, like a huge question. what what what, yeah. what do you want to know yeah, i don't he had this incredible definition for product market yeah and i the, and mind. i said i'm not going to try to repeat it and butcher it and be and and try to put oh, words okay. in Dessa's mouth so i will okay. i will capture it and write it down and share it with everyone because it was very good Gosh. um and i'm yeah i'm not going to try to like recall it from memory so uh, I look forward to hearing it. It's it's definitely it's definitely a good definition, um, and it's a good sort of framework he has for adding products there. Um, uh-huh. We also got a lot into. I would say most of the conversation was the qualities um, and sort of characteristics and traits and behaviors he looks for for people like running the whole product org. 
So like if you're going mm-hmm. to need advisors, a lot of companies too, but and obviously like the, um, I don't know if they have like a CPO or a VP of product, but you know, the, the yeah. person kind of running all of product is reporting up in him. And he basically yeah. gave me like, this is the framework for, you know, if you were to hire someone in this role, what I would be looking for. He talked a lot about like product taste and how he screens for product taste and like mm. product intuition mm. and obviously stuff around like data and evidence. But like, I thought that was super interesting, especially at that level. Yeah. What's up, Steve? That's always such an interesting topic. That idea of like product sense. It's so hard in taste. It's so hard to like put your finger on. I know this. I know people have talked about it before on podcasts. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think anything that people have said has ever really like resonated and stuck with me around like how to define it, how to screen for it. Yeah. Um, looking, looking forward to the episode to hear what his take on it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's a good point. And, and one thing on that that he did that did sort of stick with me on that point is he, he talked about like, are you someone who's just like regularly signing up for and trying out high quality software products and experiences. Like, are you getting hands-on with stuff regularly? And that was like one kind of litmus test for like, have you developed taste? Um, He also talked about like different hypotheticals he would ask around, you know, say you're, you know, you're running linear and you want to, you know, you want to take over Jira. Like, how would you do that? Or say you're, you know, say you're running Slack and you want to, you know, compete with this, you know, compete with this person or do this thing. Like, how would you go about it? And just sort of like being able to jump into like a strategic scenario and like map it out. Mm -hmm. He talked Mm -hmm. a bit about that, which I thought was super interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it was just like really cool kind of hearing like what someone at that level of such a large successful software organization is looking for, you know, not just from the product leader, but for really like the whole product organization I thought was really, really cool. Um, he also talked a bit and then we ended the convo also pertinent with us to us, especially with, you know, a lot of the stuff we've done with Bernie and our, our ambitions around baking AI more into our experience. Um, he talked a lot about how he's thinking about just like the artificial intelligence opportunity through a product lens, how they're kind of like sizing up the technology, what they're, Mm -hmm. you know, how, how they're sort of like placing the placing their bets and thinking about the whole sort of like landscape and opportunity and everything around AI. I just thought it was super, super yeah. interesting. Yeah. What was, what were some of the highlights of this point, sir? Um, gosh, uh, you know, they're, they're certainly like bullish on it. Um, and certainly like one thing that jumped out to me is just like how willing he is to, accept that they're going to be wrong on stuff and that there's going to be like Mm -hmm. developments here that they didn't expect and predictions that they like get wrong. And like, he literally said like in three months, this, this conversation is going to be irrelevant because so much is going to change. So I just thought that (laughs) was telling, like going into, you know, being so hyper comfortable with, you know, stuff changing and like being able to prove you wrong that you almost like expect it. I thought was like very Mm -hmm. telling because I think for a lot of folks, you know, who less sophisticated on this stuff are like, you know, the instinct is to like have certainty or to have conviction, but just to be so hyper, you know, comfortable with like the fact that they will be wrong on things I thought was telling. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something that jumps out to me there is like, 
Um, it's interesting. I think he's got to have this, I don't know, just almost like multiple mindsets uh, around this, like, I don't know, kind of like product portfolio, like approach to like some parts of sec- of um, Intercom. I'm sure they have, they have a ton more certainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pretty confident around like what their roadmap for the next year, maybe two is, is like going to look like while at the same time having um, a sense of comfortability around, oh, and there's there's also this other stuff that we have, we've kind of no idea where it's going to go. And we're going to try a bunch of stuff and kind of maintaining, I don't know, yeah. just being able to maintain two different kind of senses around like how we're approaching different parts of the business. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. We, we got a bit into too, just like the thinking around like how much for new products, like how much road, how much how long of a lease should you give a new product to that? And how do you kind of like think about that um, before like shutting it down? Like we talked a little bit about the, like the Alassian stride, you know, deprecation that yeah. a couple of us, you know, lived through, but um, that was really interesting too. And and one point that stuck out with me is basically like, as uh, the more established you get as a brand, the more risk there are that you do like reputation and brand harm by like shutting products down. It's like mm-hmm. Apple can't like ship a new, you know, speaker that like totally sucks, like as a, as a bat and then be like, well, that didn't work. Like roll it back. Like they'll, they will do like meaningful brand and reputation damage by doing that. But like right. someone who's like a little younger, less established, you kind of have more risk tolerance. You know, it's like being, you know, younger versus older with your investment strategy. Like you have more risk tolerance, like when you're just getting started. So that was like an interesting sort of way of thinking about it too. Yeah. Yeah. Not to talk too much about it, but like obviously at launch now, it's just kind of on the, on the verge of foraying and just like some new product areas. I'd be really curious to hear what some of his, um, heuristics are for, for just thinking about it. Like, Mm -hmm timelines like how do you i don't know yeah how do you evaluate success there yeah Uh, yeah super interesting super interesting topic area yeah yeah no yeah it was it was definitely a like super rich you know engaging conversation i was blown away and um i did invite him back so he said he said he'd come back so we'll see um (laughs) yeah he made his comment he's made his what are you guys going to talk about next time well (laughs) here's the thing he said this podcast will be irrelevant in three months because so much will change on AI. So I said, well, we'll have to, have, we'll have you back in three months. No problem. <laughs> Just come, yeah. back, come back on our show every three months. So we'll see. Just run it back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it was, a uh, um, it was a super engaging conversation. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully more to come more great convos, but yeah, I was pretty blown away. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Looking forward to, to listening to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's dive in. So we had a uh, we had a conversation come up in the Launch Awesome community. Actually, Steve, it was the uh, the topic you posted this week. Let me just pull this up and read it. Yeah. Well, you posted the the Tuesday topic around. Does your team? Yeah. Does your team use a specific planning process like you know OKRs v two mom? And we got some pretty good conversation on this. Like a couple folks left some like pretty involved comments, including, uh, our fearless leader, Tyler Davis, you gave a, you gave a little bit of a walkthrough and this was cool because we recently rolled out our, uh, our new planning process and you know, how we're doing the V2 mom process, but you shared a little Tyler on like the kind of behind the scenes thinking, um, that for you went into actually deciding what our planning process was going to be. And it was cool to see just some of the, 
know, mm-hmm. some of what was on your mind as you sort of like picked what we would do with this and, and sort of researched options here. So, um, yeah, man, I'll, uh, I'll kick it over to you. Like maybe give us a little bit of an overview on what we landed on and then dive into like some of the stuff that was like guardrails, you know, top of mind for you in terms of like deciding what we would actually do here. Yeah, I think a little backstory, uh, you know, we, uh, this last year we had a pretty, pretty huge growth phase. Um, after our series a, we, we grew the team to, you know, over 20, um, folks across the country. And, uh, you know, prior to that, I think having like a, a consensus around vision and strategy was, was pretty easy. There was a lot of tribal knowledge and a lot of kind of one-on-one conversations across the, across the team. And, um, and, and that, that worked pretty well, right? Cause like you just, we just kind of had this, this idea in our head, but, something we we started realizing and really feeling the pain around was that that didn't really scale well even at the you know the 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 4x that uh that that we we had over the year and so a lot of folks um especially folks that were not you know directly working with me every day or or jake every day started kind of having less of a, a a clear picture around i think most importantly the why we're doing things and um, and so we really wanted to to address that in a meaningful way and and, and most importantly a, a collaborative way. And so, uh, you know, I I had experience and and you know se- several of us have had experience with um, you know VTFM at Atlassian and and that's kind of like a, a hybrid approach to like a values and um, uh, it's what is it values themes focus areas and measures. Uh, and then, you know, the, um, the organizations and sub teams within those organizations did OKRs. And so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a hybrid approach. And, um, I always thought that that was like decent. I, you know, I think OKRs is a good system, but, um, the, the static nature of that was always kind of funky to me, right? Especially at the speed at which Atlassian iterated, you know, you mentioned the stride, um, experiment that, uh, they spent a, a year and a half on, um, direction shifts. And when you're, you know, a, a young company like us, it shifts even faster. And so I wanted something that, um, was, you know, not only collaborative and, and, and every single person in the organization would be involved in and kind of aware of, but also something that was dynamic and, and we could, we can kind of re uh, restructure and redefine as we're learning and as we're kind of course correcting. And, um, and so those were the big things for me is, is really how do we get everyone on the same page across the organization? How do we do it in an asynchronous way? Uh, because we are remote and we are always going to be remote. Um, how do we do it? Uh, in, um, and, and how do we make it? So it's, it's dynamic. And then I think the final piece for me is, um, it's just explicit, like is be as clear as possible with how we communicate the things and what the expectations are. And, um, and so I spent a lot of time researching and, and just looking at different, uh, frameworks and, 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 uh, processes that people have, have defined over, over the years. And, um, and the one that really stuck with me was, was Mark Benioff's V2 mom. And, um, a few things I really liked about it was, Everybody in the entire organization does their own V2 mom. 
and it all rolls up. It's like a tree, right? There's like a trunk that is the, the founder's V2 mom. And then everybody's kind of branches off of that. And it's, you know, every child V2 mom is a function of its parent. And in doing that, wherever you are within that tree, you have a, you have a very clear understanding of like, here's my scope. And here's the vision that I need to create and I need to uh, track against within my little, my, my domain or my purview. Um, and, and so you, you get, you know, clarity, you get collaborative, you know, collaboration because everybody's doing it together and working on it together. Um, and, and then it's just, you know, it, again, it's, it's asynchronous in nature. And so, so you get, you get uh, everybody working on it and, 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 and completing it on a regular cadence continuously throughout the year and, and, and on. And so um, that's where we landed. We are, you know, as, as, as everybody knows, we're, 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 we're very nimble and, and, and we're looking to learn and, and improve the process. But so far, I think it's been a pretty, pretty awesome exercise. Um, you know, we, we kicked it off a, a week and a half ago. And um, I think we've got, you know, most, most of the V2 moms are, are done, if not in kind of like a final draft state. And they're all public uh, within the organization. So everybody can see and kind of work together on their V2 moms together and make sure everybody's aligned on, on their, on their, their methods and, and measures. And, um, I'm, I'm excited. I think it, I think it's going pretty well so far. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there's a bunch of stuff about them that I like. Um, I think it's been a cool, uh, it's been a cool sort of crash course in a new framework for sure. And yeah, like you, I've, Kind of had some experience with all of them. They all kind of had their strengths and weaknesses. Um, if anyone has the chance to or has, um, Mark Benihoff's book, Behind the Cloud, is really is really good. And it's been a while since I read it, but I think he kind of goes into detail about the kind of early versions of this and kind of how they came about it. But really just like the whole the whole Salesforce story is like insane. I'm just like kind of hearing him talk through like how they got started and some of the crazy shit that they did getting that off the ground is like super cool. Like <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stories. Um, I like uh, a couple things I would call out, like the dynamic sort of shifting nature of, you know, I used just like reality. Right. And like having a framework that recognizes that I think is, is super important with this. And like how many people like, seems like there's been like a half dozen instances in just like the last three years where it's just like some crazy, like macro events have like kind of thrown everyone's like roadmap or strategy plan out the window. Right. I think a lot of people have mm -hmm. seen it like, you know, with the economy within the last like 12 months, there've been like crazy macroeconomic things that have just like sent everyone's like strategic sales, like tangled in unexpected directions. Um, before that it was like COVID and remote and all that. But like, yeah, it's just like how many people have like been in a situation where it's like, hey, we've got this plan for the year that's like totally irrelevant six months in because X, Y, Z happened. So um, I think that's, yeah, that's super important. Um, and I also like, you know, there's an underrated, like the second, uh, the V, the second V, the reason there's two V, the values. Um, I think that's like an easy to overlook part of this. And at first I was like, okay, is that just like lip service? We're going to like copy our values down or whatever. And to me, I see that as just like a good chance to reflect on what is important to you before kind of diving in 
um, and reflect on like literally like what are your like morals and values and like what are the things that like you won't do or compromise in order to achieve these. And I've seen a lot of times with like OKRs or goal setting or whatever where it's like, hey, we can do, you know, we can achieve this like quantitative metric, but it will come at the uh, at the expense of like twisting our morals or like, you know, ignoring our values or doing some shady shit that we otherwise wouldn't do. And just like having a beat in there that is like reflect on your own <laughs> integrity as an organization and individual <laughs> before, you know, committing to something that's going to potentially put it at risk, I think is, uh, is an important moment there. And so I, I, I kind of realized that and liked that too. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, and, and maybe Teddy can touch on, cause I think he did a, like a fantastic job of defining the, our product organization's values and, how like the product team needs to be thinking and like in, in prioritizing certain character as they work. And um, I, I think it's, it is a, it is a, uh, on, on first pass, it was kind of like, well, why, yeah, are we just copying everything down or, you know, more you kind of think about it is it is like you as the owner of the organization or you as a team that's working together, like thinking about what, what is important and what is, what is, uh, is, is a priority that, that needs to stay top of mind as you're kind of executing the, the vision. It's exactly that. I mean, I found the, the, the values portion of V2 moms to be the most useful, even when it was pulling from values that we'd already agreed upon and established and had, had started circulating, taking those at the start of the quarter and recommitting to them and taking a look at what methods we're going to be trying to push forward this quarter and bring to light and making sure, do these meet our values? Are the, are the details and how we want to bring these to light uh, in support of and in service of sort of bringing those values to, uh, to light? Um, I, even if we dropped all the other parts of V2 mom, even if we just left it with V and just did that at the start of the quarter, it would be valuable in and of itself. Um, and being able to see the values that each other part of the organization has and compare those and make sure we're all aligned and to, to build those down from the company values has been a really, really uh, engaging and, and positive experience. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how this evolves over time as well. Uh, one, of the, one of the key parts that we keep talking about is like, V2 Moms is dynamic and it, it, it can evolve and it can change. Um, I'm very curious to see how that goes. Uh, we're just getting started with it, but one of the one of the big problems with OKRs is, you know, in, in previous roles, I've spent a bunch of time on them, weeks even, establishing them. And then you learn as a startup, as a product org, as a, a, an R&D org, you're constantly learning. And so to not recommit to what you should be building to not refocus based on those learnings, you're missing out on a lot. And I'm very curious to see how we're able to reshape our V2 moms with all of our learnings as we uh, proceed through the quarter, as we come to the next iteration of V2 moms next quarter. Uh, I'm optimistic. Yeah, for sure. It kind of reminds me of something I think last week, Teddy, you were talking about with like, 
we're talking about backlog grooming and you're like, you know, if something's been on your backlog for, you know, 12 months or whatever, like you maybe should just delete it. Right. Essentially. And it's like, if, you know, if, if you're, uh, if you're not operating in a framework that accounts for, you know, changing variables that you won't see yet, um, you might not be like being realistic, right. With yourself. Like you, you might not be like, might not have like a realistic relationship with reality if you're like not saying like, hey, stuff's going to be like way different in three quarters and we're going to kind of plan for that rather than expect like, hey, in January, we've got this perfect strategy and we're, we can see the future, right? Very cool. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about this one. It's, uh, it, it sounds kind of funny to say you're excited about like your company planning process, but, um, it's, it's cool. It's cool to try something new. And I think, uh, it, it's cool to work with a, a group of people who are, you know, all have such good intentions and, and are so put so much care into their work. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. One thing doesn't really like fit really well into the kind of acronym, but, um, me and Teddy did good strategy, bad strategy mm -hmm. in our last book club. One thing that's kind of been on my mind lately, just some of the stuff from that book, I feel like something that, that this process could benefit from is being like a little bit more explicit around like, um, so in the book, uh, Rommel, um, he defines like the kernel of strategies having like three parts. It's like a, uh, a diagnosis of the situation, uh, guiding principles for like how we're going to make process or make progress. Um, and then some like tangible, basically like some like tangible recommendations for like things we're going to try now. Um, I feel like, I feel like this process is missing a little bit of kind of the first two around like just being more explicit around like what's, what's like the situation on the ground. Like we have this vision and we know there's some obstacles um, but just, be, just being more explicit around like, here's generally how, here's generally how we think we're going to like, um, you know, achieve, achieve these goals that in like, yeah, me like measures is the very last section of this. Um, like here's like generally our strategy for getting there. Um, <laughs> I think that's methods though. Right. And like I, the, uh, the vision, the vision is, is, uh, it can be as elaborate as, as, is it needs to be mm. right. And like the, I, I think the idea and is, is really like, okay, what are we trying to achieve? Like what, what, what is the picture of success in our minds at the, you know, in the next three months or in the, in the next year. And like with excruciating detail, you should, you should write that and, and frame that, that, that picture that you want to live in. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, well the methods are, I think this is, we need to do this. Here's why. We need to do this. Here's why we need to do this. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. I took, and I think, I don't know how everyone else did methods, but for me, for me, methods were a lot more like tactical. Like here's like, here's some of the specific things I'm going to do. Um, let me, it'd be weird if I just like pulled mine up right now and like talk to you. Do it. Let's it real quick. So for the community V2 mom, um, 
yeah, I had things around like, um, you know, starting. Yeah, I can, I can kind of share this. I, I think I tried to do a little bit of some of this in mind. Uh, let me screen share. Yeah, here. I was going to say, I think you can screen share. Yeah. Oh, boy. Does that work? Can you see this? Not. Yeah, now we can. Yep. yep. Cool, yeah. So I think a lot of people were doing things, putting like more, more like tactical, like we're going to do things like this. Um, I, I think it's good to like call out kind of like the higher level, like here's, here's like our guiding principle for, I think I'm doing a bad job describing this, <laughs> but here's like our guiding principle for how we're going to like overcome the obstacles. Like, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, absolutely. I mean, this, um, this gets at one of the first, one of the first problems that we we're facing is like, how do we communicate the why to people? And like, why are we doing the thing? And mm-hmm. that need, I think that needs to be like a fundamental aspect of how we communicate with this tool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like what you're saying, Steve, is like, I, I kind of think of, of this a lot where it's like, what's our, you know, there's like, I want something to grow or do something. And then there's like, here are the tactical things I might do, but kind of in between the two is like, I have a hypothesis about how this will work. Like we have like a theory of this thing growing, or we have like a theory of this product being successful or whatever. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's like this, this way of playing the game is going to lead to victory. Right. Right. So instead of just like, Hey, I'm going to, launch this product and, you know, buy a bunch of Facebook ads to help it grow. It's like, you may say like, because of the, you know, because of the, the way the market is right now and the regulatory commitments that existing incumbents have cost per click is like extraordinary is, is below average. And that creates this advantage that will help us create this kind of growth trajectory, like whatever. That's just like a bad scenario, but just like some like yeah. hypothesis or theory of like, Hey, here's how this is going to get from a to B and why tactics, you know, X, Y, Z are the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. Yes. yes. I, I think that doing that will also better inform your measures yeah. with like how you're actually trying to track against that. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone should do like a. Uh, there should be like a Shark Tank or like a like pitching like a, you know like if you were like fundraising like pitching VCs or if you were like on Shark Tank and like pitching your business. Some company should do that just for like everyone's OKRs and everyone's goals. It's like <laughs> I have to like go and like three of you are going to be sitting there and I have to like pitch what I'm going to do and then you guys all just like poke holes on me and shit on yeah. my ideas and everything and it's just like. Well, why is this going to work? Why is that going to work? Why is that going to, cause you talk through that, yeah. Steve, and it's like, you sound like a guy who's like started and invested in companies where it's like, yeah, it's not just do this. It's like, why is doing this going to be, you know, get, get us there. It's like yeah. answering the why, yeah, like, like you were saying, Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shark tank. <laughs> Flip the OKRs. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Shocker. Shock, shock no. <laughs> shark, shark tank. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right. I have a. I think one one of the other things that I I really like just to to, to kind of final uh, final touch here yeah. is 
I think I, I really like the obstacles piece because yeah. it forces you to think about how you can fail. And in doing so, I think that also kind of helps you and, and maybe positions it in a way that you can start thinking about how you hedge against those potential failure scenarios. And that's something that nothing else does. I've never like, OKRs don't do that. It's just like, here's the objective. Here's the key result. Like it doesn't, it doesn't think about like, how do I, like, how could I fail at this? And, um, and that's something else that I really, really like about this process. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, all right. I have, uh, I have a weird one to, to kind of wrap up with here. This is totally off topic, but any other, any final thoughts on, uh, on the, the planning process before I jump into this weird one and then we can wrap. All right. I promise this is product related. I saw this product that had been deprecated and I kind of wanted to talk about it. Cause I'm always kind of curious when products kind of like when new products kind of like slowly disappear. So a couple years ago, uh, Spotify had this product launch for this thing that they called car thing. Do you guys remember this? Did anyone see this? try it it was like a it was a hardware thing so like obviously spotify is like a you know software and streaming media company it was this like 90 dollars hardware gizmo that you could like put in your car and was like a you know dedicated player for spotify um and a lot of people like joked pretty terrible name a lot of people joked about that um it obviously they're a big company it got a lot of press it had some like cool marketing behind it when they launched, it looked like it had a, like a pretty cool launch. I think it was, it was kind of positioned as like an experiment or a beta or like an early access kind of thing. Like they didn't go crazy with the launch. It was like pretty light considering the kind of launch a company like that could do. And I got to thinking about it a couple, a couple days ago. And I was like, whatever, is that still around? So I like poked around and it's like, it's not like sometime, you know, within in 2022, they just like kind of quietly sunsetted it. You can't buy it anymore. They still have some like support docs and stuff on their website. Um, so they, you know, they basically pulled the plug on it quietly, which is, you know, which is fine. And like, probably like, like they, they did the right thing. It was probably like an experiment, a bet, you know, they probably didn't sink billions of dollars into it. And, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like we were talking about earlier, like being able to do an experiment and turn a product bet off is is a skill and a sign of a healthy organization in its own right but it just kind of got me thinking about like man i can i can picture like every customer research conversation and every bit of like strategic planning indicating why this product would be successful um yet it ostensibly wasn't um but it's just like Mm -hmm. it's just interesting because you know every job to be done is kind of like there, like people get in their car and it's like, Oh, my phone is impaired or, you know, my phone's in my gym bag and then I have to fuss around with it. And then it's, you know, I can't, you know, easily change the track because I have to unlock my phone and blah, blah, blah. It's like, sure. There were a ton of like bits of qualitative and quantitative research that pointed to why this, you know, why this product should exist. Um, yet it kind of came out in the market and more or less kind of flopped. Um, I just thought it was interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't have some like, you know, 
massive, you know, greater point on this, but it was just kind of interesting to think about, like, there's a ton of good reasons for that thing to exist. And, you know, they're for, they're very much the company that could pull that off. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Um, I am. Um, I'm reading a book right now. Uh, the personal MBA. I don't know if you guys have heard of uh-uh. it. It's just like a crash course type. It's a, it's a, it's a great book, but it talks a lot about minimum viable offer. And, uh, in, you know, as, uh, Lean Startup talks a lot about, you know, MVP and how to bring like the, the absolute smallest thing to market. Mm-hmm. Um, but car thing was like the perfect example of like put up a, a landing page, do some light marketing and outreach to folks that yeah. um, could potentially be interested in the thing and like gauge interest and gate, like see yeah. how much traction you can get with like a low investment. And I, th- and I think you could actually buy it too. There's a lot. It, it's out. It was out there. Like you could order one for ninety bucks at one point. Oh, was it a real? I thing? Think so. I don't think it was just a wait list. I, th- yeah, I think they're out there. Yeah, but so I'm I'm almost certain Scott has one, and I've, I've played with one of these things. Yes. How'd and it go? my hypothesis for why it didn't do well. So it doesn't. Um, it doesn't have like internet itself. You have to actually pair your phone to mm-hmm. it. And then it's like a little, then it's like a little separate interface that's like right there instead of like fooling around on your phone. You just yeah. like, you know, whatever other yeah. thing. Um, and it was kind of a, uh, didn't like, didn't work that great. Had to like repair it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think my hypothesis is just wasn't like a good enough experience that people were, mm. you know, kind of super about it. And that was, that was kind of a, I would. I would well, and when you're control. when you're competing against a when you're competing against a phone mount that sticks to your windshield, that's a that's a tough sell. Those things are like fifteen bucks. Yeah, and that's true. And kind of everyone who has that problem, like you can solve it with the with the phone mount. Yeah. So go ahead. And it, all, it, it also seems that it's it's a, as if they were focused on the end state of like they want to have presence in a car rather than actually filling a customer job, right? Because mm. The phone does that plenty fine already. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I, I could see being in their shoes and it being, and you know, who knows? I'm sure they thought, you know, they thought about this and experimented with this a thousand times more than you know any of us have. But I can see being in their seats, feeling like, oh no, this does feel this does feel a job. Like mm-hmm. when you're driving and you want to hear a song, like it's kind of hard. Like you probably shouldn't yeah. be pulling out your phone it's, and your DVD, your pod, yeah. you know, the controls are a little small. Shouldn't be typing it in. And this is like, oh, if we can build, we can build a bigger, or not willing to pay more dedicated space, easier for just tap, tap, tap. You can see that. Um, I, I think with like, I could see it being a thing know. like a good example of like a bunch of people said this said they'd want this, but then the reality is like they kind of don't. Yes, or I think they're right, right. There's that yeah. too. I think with any like productivity tool, it's not like solving, like wholly solving like a new job for you. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, it makes X easier. Yeah. People are quick to be like, oh yeah, I'd use that. But it always comes with an asterisk of like, if it, you know, if it like makes me, you know, that much better, mm-hmm. you know, if it's only, if it only makes things like this much easier, I might not. But if it's like that good of an experience, then yeah, I'd use it and I'd buy mm-hmm. it. And in that way, I feel like this specifically is is something that's hard to 
hard to like test and get if it's like close to being good enough. I, I don't know that like feedback is going to give you certainty in the right answer. Like you, it's like a the proof's going to be in the pudding situation. Like you kind of got to just build it and see if it's good yeah. enough. I think there's two other things that come into factor here as well. Because one is this sounds like it was a venture by Spotify into a area of work that maybe they didn't have a lot of expertise in. And Steve, from what you were describing, it sounds like it wasn't a great experience. Like even what they intended wasn't wasn't really hitting the mark. Mm. Um, This meant that they had to have experience in hardware. They had to have experience or expertise Mm -hmm. rather than experience. It's building Mm -hmm. expertise in hardware, in delivering uh, a hardware product in iterating on that, getting new versions out. It's, it's actually a really big investment um, that isn't necessarily natural for a software company and for a content company, which is the other arm they're working on, right? They're investing huge amounts in content as well. Um, And so I think, just taking a step back and does that fit with their strategic vision as Spotify, as a company? And then looking at the competitive landscape and how are they gonna compete as car things become less relevant because cars are getting smarter, because cars are becoming more integrated with phones, because cars are becoming more of a computer on wheels. Is this an area that if they do invest and build up the expertise in, is this something that they can uh, legitimately compete with auto manufacturers and with cell phone manufacturers for? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All good questions. Yeah. The the best, uh, we'll leave it to the... Our, our PM to give us the best product insight on that one because I think yeah you nailed it Teddy absolutely I want to ask about uh, we won't we won't get into it this week but uh, next time Teddy I want to ask you why you think Apple hasn't built a TV that's what I'm curious about so noodle on that noodle on that for a week and we'll come back to it also there's that mysterious gap in time where they had a monitor then they didn't yeah, have a monitor see? now they do have a monitor see. It feels like they could maybe the yeah maybe the quick answer is they're not building TV because they're building a car. Oh yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the mock-ups of their electric car where it's like the the Apple electric car that's the mouse and it's got the it's the upside down charger you have to flip it upside down to charge it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. hilarious. All right, guys, this was super fun. Thanks for jumping in this week. We'll do this again. We'll be back next week. Right on. Take care, everyone. See ya. Thanks all. Bye. Hey, Blake here again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Launch Notes podcast. If you work on a product team, whether you're in product management, product marketing, product ops, or any other supporting function, go check out the Launch Awesome community. Hundreds of the top product minds from companies like Google, Atlassian, Twilio, and more are in the community sharing their expertise every day. This free Slack community is a great place to connect with and learn from real product leaders, actual practitioners who are in the trenches building and launching products at some of the most exciting startups and SaaS companies around. To join, head to the link in the show notes or just do a quick search for Launch Awesome and it'll come right up. Finally, if you're a fan of this show, Don't forget to subscribe so you'll be first to know about new episodes. And of course, we'd be thrilled if you left us a review. Reviews not only help other people find the show, 
but also just lets us know which content you find most valuable so we can create even more of it. Thanks again for being here.